0: You, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father God. You are so good to us, Lord. Father God, the way you love us is amazing. The plans that you have for us, Lord, Father, we cannot even comprehend. But your love for us is so beautiful, Lord Father. That you forgive us our every sin, our every every time we wander away from you, Lord, Father God, you welcome us back. Father God, Lord, as we come before you, Lord, we praise you, we thank you, Father, for your mercy, and Lord, Father, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, Lord, Father, we look ahead, Lord, we are planning so many things, Lord, I just pray, Lord, Father, we would celebrate your birth in a way that is special and new, that is different from every other year, Father God, be born in our hearts anew this year. Father, God, may we burn for you, Lord, Father. May we learn to love you, Lord. There are so many things that in our lives, Father, that are keeping us away from you. Open our eyes, Lord. Only you can do that, Father. Touch us, Lord. Father, we hunger for you. We thirst for you, Lord. We need you. Father, touch us, Lord, Father. And prepare our hearts, Lord, to worship you. As we prepare for Christmas, we just want to uh, start with this beautiful uh, carol, Joy to the World. People who uh, who came to know about Jesus' birth are the shepherds, and uh, we are like them. Actually, we know about uh, that the Savior has been born. And uh, I just wanted to read from Luke two and uh, just share with you what they had experienced. And may this also be true for us this Christmas season that we would be able to share with our friends, families, uh, people uh, we meet every day. The joy that is that is in us. Uh, the Savior, our Savior, has been born from Luke 2 verse 8 and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. I just wanted to hold in our hearts what the shepherds did. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. May this be true for us this Christmas season. Lively song we have made for you. So, would you like to stand up and clap along with us? Yes.
1: morning I want to talk to us about how to get back in a close relationship with God especially when you've been away for a while when you've been in a dry region a dry period in your life you've been away from God you you can call it what you want say how you like don't call it backslidden because uh, you weren't going up in the first place so you've been uninterested, you've been unoccupied, you've been busy, there have been things in your life, there have been hurts, there's been pains, but it's because of some traumatic episode that God brought you through, because of some illness or, or sickness or crisis that God brought you to. you're feeling it. You're feeling a Jordan crossing. You're feeling a Jordan crossing. You're feeling the goodness of God. You're feeling that God has been working on your behalf. And that's kind of drawing you out of this dry region, out of this wilderness experience. And you're saying, Lord, I wanna get back with you. For people like that, it's not uncommon. It's It's not uncommon, it's not unusual, you are not a bad person, Uh, you are a person who wants to get right with God. It is embarrassing though. It is embarrassing, because when you've been away from God, it's an embarrassing. When you've been far from God, you've lost a connect with God. You don't know how things are going. You're sitting in the service, worship is going on, but you, you keep saying to yourself, I don't feel connected, I don't feel connected. Yeah, it's not the worship, it's not the problem, it's not the air conditioning, it's not the room, it's not the language, it's the heart. And when you've gone through the it's, what happens is you begin to get a distaste for the word of God. You don't have a hunger for the word of God anymore. You don't feel like going to church anymore, because I don't mind meeting with God, but meeting with believers, they are so judgmental. They got that judgmental look on their face the moment they step into L15. You know? So you don't want to use, you avoid the Bible, avoid the, the, the fellowship, you avoid prayer. And sooner later, the very thing that took you away from God also keeps you away from God. You hear me? The very thing that took you away from God also keeps you away from God. But it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon to have desert experiences. It's not uncommon to have dry periods in your life. Everybody goes through it. I go through it. Everybody except Jesus went through it. And you can come out of that. How do you do that? But where do you begin? There are many of us who go through those dry spells in our spiritual life. For some in fact it lasts for years, years and years. For some you can't remember being close to God till your childhood days when you were at some Sunday school or something like that. And there's, there have been no disciplines, there has been no things to hold on to, nothing that has kept your spiritual life going. No rights, R-I-T-E-S, no rights uh, in your, in your walk with God but if you're prone to wander you can be led to wonder if you're prone to wander you can be led to wonder because even for the people who wandered the desert for 40 years in circles disobeyed God lost his pleasure even they saw Jordan crossing even they saw a Red Sea parting even they saw the goodness of God so How do you begin to please God again? How do you get back after you've been in a dry place? I want to read the whole passage of scripture because a lot of us are not familiar with this and some are new to the Bible. Let me just read the whole passage of scripture for you. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites, I'm reading from Joshua chapter 5. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites were by the sea, who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted. Their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit, small in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeah Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who had come out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who had come out of Egypt had been circumcised, yet they all died on the way. But those who were born on the way, they didn't come out of Egypt, but they were born on the way during the 40 years after they had come out of Egypt, had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore that to them and he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us in a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised in their place that Joshua circumcised for they were uncircumcised because they had been not circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camps until they were completely healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. When the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, parched grain, and the manna ceased that day after they ate the produce of the land and there was no longer manna of, of the, for the people of Israel but they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan that year when Joshua was by Jericho he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him are you for us or for our adversaries and he said no I am the commander of the army of the Lord capital L-O-R-D now I have come and Joshua fell on his face to the earth worshipped him and said what does my Lord say to his servant and the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua take off your sandals from your feet take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy and Joshua did so and Joshua did so what a what a story I was going to go into five and six and talk about Rahab and talk about God's faithfulness and the redemption story of Rahab but God spoke to me through this passage and stopped me right in chapter 5 leaving chapter 6 for 7 14th of January 7th of January we'll do the vision message for the year. I'll give you what God has given to, on my heart for the whole year and what, where we're going with that. All the kings of the Amorites, you don't have to worry about names and all like cellulite and all, it's just fine. Just They were just, you know, all the na- kings of the Amorites, all the kings of the Canaanites, not just one or two, all, all. Some by the land, some by the sea, nations all around, everywhere around, what happened? They heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan until these boys and girls had passed all the way across. So this God, the God of heaven, was working for these people and is on their side and is fighting for them. And therefore, they were fearful. They were faint-hearted. They didn't have any spirit left in them. So you got all the nations. Are you with me? Is everyone listening? All the nations all around the promised land, including the promised land, Rahab, Remember what she said. And they are all now scared stiff of the people of Israel. Not because of the people of Israel, but because of the God who is fighting for them. And all of the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan, went into that, and the first thing that God says to Joshua, after informing him that all the nations are now scared stiff of you, he says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take all the men and you're going to circumcise them. Great battle plan, huh? Because I'm thinking, they're all scared of me right now. They're all worried, they're all fearful. This would be a good time (laughs) to take over the nations. Why just promised land? Why not a few other promises? Why not a few extras? Bonuses thrown in. Come on people, let's take over the promised land. Let's take over everything around it. This is the time to strike. And the Lord says, circumcise all of them. Great battle plan. And Joshua doesn't turn to God and say, are you sure? It says in the next sentence, and Joshua made Flint nice and circumcised them. I hope you're feeling Joshua's pain here. Joshua is the commander, he's the leader of the armed forces of the nation of Israel. He has just led 600,000 plus people through the Jordan. God has miraculously held the Jordan at a place far away near the city of Adam. And they have accomplished a great task. They have come, they have set a memorial and called it Gilgal. Gilgal means circle. And he comes and he's ready to hear from God. And God says to Joshua, circumcise all the men. Why? Why? Well, everyone who came out of Egypt was circumcised. But because of their disobedience, they had been perished they had perished in the wilderness God did away with a complete generation you're not going to obey me you're not going to keep my word you're not going to keep things important you're not you're not going to uh, you know put me as God alone and all of the promises that God made well I'm going to do away with you I'm going to start working with the next generation God does that generation after generation after God does that God raises new leaders God raises new people He constantly raises for every generation. He raises his own faithful ones. He says I will do that for the next generation but this generation will not see the promised land. And He promised them you will not see the promised land. But God keeps his promises over a period of time and he's not talking to one generation. He's talking to a whole lot of people over many many years and he says I will keep my word to my people but this generation out. So the generation that came out of Egypt were all circumcised but they died there and the generation that was in and born during the wilderness time, 40 years, that's a lot, that's a lot, 40 years, so you had grown people during that time with children and everything, they were not circumcised. Hmm. So from the time they left Egypt and they were emancipated and they set free. Because of their disobedience the next generation did not put in place the things that set this nation apart as God's people. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Because this generation was not faithful and disobedient, the next generation ceased to do the things and put in place the things that marked them as God's people. So it wasn't just circumcision, it was also the Passover. They had stopped having the Passover. There was no Passover for 40 years. And they stopped eating the fruit of the land. Because they were in desert. There's no fruitfulness when you're in disobedience, when you're wandering, when you're far from God. There's no fruitfulness. So when they came into the land, they began to eat the fruit of the land. Now when you till the land and you get fruit from the land, what is the first thing you do? You tithe. You tithe. So the harvesting and the, the, the festivals and the remembrances and the offerings, the thank offering, the gift offering, the celebration offering, the sin offering, all of those things stopped. And everything that the people of God were supposed to do to show that they are the people of God, to remember that they are the people of God, seized in the wilderness. And that's what happens when you walk away from God. Those are, the time, those are the things that happen in those seasons when you're far from God. The things that mark you apart, the things that set you apart, the things that show the world, show the family, show yourself that you are God's people. The things that remind you, ground you and center you are removed from your life. That's the first thing God wanted to do is set those things in place. Come on God, this is a great time. Everybody's scared of us. Let's go to war. Let's destroy all of them. They're scared. They're they're fearing. They're they're worried. (laughs) Go circumcise everyone. What is circumcision? What is Passover? What is harvesting? Why is it so important? The Bible is very clear. Stephen is giving a, 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 a case scenario. He's giving an explanation to the Sanhedrin in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 7 verse 8. And he's telling them that God had promised Abraham in a covenant marked by circumcision. God had promised and made a covenant with Abraham in a covenant marked by, identified by circumcision. So circumcision was the mark of God's covenant with Abraham. So in getting circumcised they were identifying themselves as Abraham's seed. As Abraham's seed and that's why circumcision for the male part because it is a seed issue are you with me it's a seed issue every male will be circumcised why because seed coming out of all of these males are my people they're set apart they're cut apart for me it was a Covenant that he had made with Abraham, and in so doing, this beautiful rite of circumcision for these people, they were aligning themselves with Abraham and the covenant promises of God from Abraham. It was a sign, it was a symbol of the contract that they had with Abraham. Every generation renewing their contract with the old, every generation renewing and continuing that we are part of this descent, we are going to finish this task. Are you with me? We are going to continue to be God's people. Every generation has to raise leaders to remind that generation we are God's people. We are set apart for his, come let's serve the Lord. Every generation needs to do that. So, circumcision, every male descendant, this was what God had set for Abraham. And Abraham immediately obeyed, Genesis 17, note that. Abraham immediately obeyed, Joshua immediately obeyed. Then they had the Passover. They had the Passover. So as soon as they camped at Gilgal, excuse me, as soon as they camped at Gilgal, remember what Gilgal is? Gilgal is a place where they set the stones of remembrance in a circle. And they called it Gilgal and the word Gilgal means circle. And that circle of remembrance was what God was doing there. And as they camped there, the first thing they did was set in place, the Passover. This is the third Passover because the first one was when they left from Egypt. The second one was at Sinai when they were breaking out to go to Egypt, to go to Canaan. And now is the third one as they've landed in Gilgal. East of Gilgal, as they land there, the first thing they do is have the Passover. Passover is the Lord's table. Passover is the Lord's table, what you and I just partook of. Passover is the table of the Lord where you come and remember that the blood was shed for you. It came with a high price, but you're free. The blood was shed for you. It came with a high price, but you're free. So 5 verse 10. Israel encamped around Gilgal, now kept the Passover without circumcision. They could not have the Passover because they were not qualified to have the Passover. But now that they are circumcised, they were able to have the Passover. Passover. And the third thing they did was they ate of the land. They ate of the land. So when they came into the land for the first time after 40 years, can you imagine some kids had never eaten apples and, and bananas and fruits and dates. and They had never they'd eaten manna. For 40 years, God had provided manna from heaven. God had dropped manna morning after morning from heaven. And interestingly, God gave the manna to them all 40 years with and without their gratefulness. Even when they didn't say grace, even when they when they grumbled about it because they did grumble about it popcorn seriously day and night every day every morning popcorn when we were in Egypt we were slaves but at least there was a buffet at least there was meat at least there was cheeses at least there was Rogan Josh. there was good stuff over there Moses you brought us into the land to kill us what is this popcorn day after I mean how many recipes can you have to make the same thing right manna after manna but they had the fruit of the land. They ate their first meal as the fruit, the produce of the land. And the moment they did that next morning, manna stopped. Because God will provide your needs even when you're unfaithful, even in your dry periods, even when you walk away, even when you grumble, he will provide your needs. The second reason he provides your needs is even if you're grumbling, your children still need to eat. Because he's a father who will provide anyway. Have you noticed you can wake up with a With a sour look on your face or you can wake up with a praise look on your face and the sun still rises. So the morning after Israel had eaten the Passover and were prepared for battle, they ate some of the produce of the land. Since they had had, had given the evidence of wanting to be fully obedient to the law of God, God stopped the manna and when you have growing from the land when you have fruit of the land you are then able to give your offerings up to God you're able to give your tithe up to God you're able to give worship to God so all this was for the nation of Israel got it? this is for the nation of Israel let's turn our camera on Joshua every time God did something for the nation of Israel he would also do something for the leadership the leader was you and me man you and me let's do this with the people of Israel go tell the people Joshua, Joshua you and me, my servant Moses, my servant, you got that? So God will always say something for the people and God's got a word for Joshua. So let's go back to the kings of the Amorites and the kings of the Canaanites and the (laughs) Salilites. Joshua, the leader of the armed forces of the people of God. He goes out, armed, he's got his... What are those shells called? Ranks. Ranks and all of that. He's all alone nobody cares but he's dressed up. You know how some of these guys are. They're all dressed up. So he's dressed up, he got a sword shiny swords, polished it and everything and he steps out and he goes for a bit of a walk and the Bible says he was by Jericho. This is the nation, this is the, this is the city that he is going to besiege. They've come to battle with this city all the wives and children and cattle are sitting there and all the men all the men are sitting back there nobody's with Joshua he's all alone and he goes and stands and he surveys the wall that impenetrable insurmountable wall of Jericho I don't know if you noticed but the closer you get to the wall the higher it looks just saying But when you see a wall from the sky down, it looks pretty short. Just saying. Google Earth. And Joshua was walking up and down, his sword banging against his thigh, clanging against his armor. And he's saying, Lord, Lord, and he's walking. And suddenly he sees a man standing. Not an angel, not an angel, not an alien, <laughs> but a man. So whatever they told you in Sunday school of how the big, huge, standing over Josh, Josh was small, like VeggieTales. I don't know if you watch VeggieTales. Joshua's small, that guy's man. No, no, it was man. Mano a mano, man to man, eyeball to eyeball, there was a man standing there. And he looked up as he saw a man and immediately his hand went for his sword and there was a man with a drawn sword. It says, your Bible, your Bible says, a man with a drawn sword. He had already taken out his sword and this man was standing there. And Joshua suddenly saw this man. He a friend or foe? And he says, no. I'm not your foe and I'm not your friend. I am the captain of the armies of the Lord and Joshua in response to that said oh dude cool let's hug this out no he doesn't say that his response to this man are you with me this man his response to this man is he fell on his face face to the ground and he worshipped him by the way fall on your face face to the ground is the worst position for defense it's what we call a position for surrender so if you want to get into a fight if you want to take on an enemy he was noticing he was telling us in that one moment Josh was all alone not a man backing him he had surrendered completely to this man who with a drawn sword stood before him and claimed to be the captain of the armies of the Lord now if you're a Bible Bible scholar Bible Student, and you read the scriptures, Old and New Testament, we are taught that Jesus pre existed. Jesus is God, Jesus always existed. He created the universe, He created everything, and sustains it by the word of His mouth. He is the part of God, the part of the Trinity, the part of the community of God, the three-in-one, that relates to humanity. And when it came time to save us, He is the one that stepped into incarnation in flesh, and He is the one who came to save us. He is the one who, having given His life for us, rose again and has returned to the, tr- the, the Trinity, the, the Godhead, and has taken the center stage for the rest of eternity, and will rule the world in might and dominion, and there will be no higher name than Him, and He will be all in all by the will of God the Father that's my Jesus quick plug and we are taught that this Jesus has appeared to many in the past and his title when he appears to people in the past pre-incarnation is captain of the host of the army of the Lord Jesus is a soldier he's a soldier with a sword in Revelation you go all the pictures of Jesus are on a white horse coming in an army as a soldier as a soldier only on earth when he came in flesh and blood when he came as in a manger was he weak was he defenseless was he powerless he became a servant much lower than the angels for the suffering of death that we may see him face to face only for that period of time so if you have a picture of Jesus and that picture of Jesus is his incarnation here on earth it's a wrong picture of who he is because he stood there looking like a man but was worthy of worship no Jew no Muslim no Christian is going to worship a man. So when Joshua dropped to his knees knowing his theology full well he knew who he was talking about. Let me give you my take on the whole thing. My personal take on the whole thing is as soon as he spoke he recognized him. He recognized him. He knew who he was talking to. Are you with me? Because he had heard his commands before. The moment he opened his mouth I says, I'm friend or foe." No. I'm the captain of the armies of Israel. Lord, what would you have your servant do? Does that sound familiar? Very, very interesting. And as Joshua got up from his feet, I'm almost done. Don't lose me. As Joshua got up from his knees, he got up from the ground and he's in the presence of this man with a drawn sword. He's probably thinking, this is great. All my men are incapacitated. That's no help. I couldn't bring them with me because then the women and the children and the, and the cattle would be defenseless. So I couldn't bring anybody even with me to see this or to, to prepare or to train. But here he is. He's going to tell me a battle plan. He's going to tell me the strategy of how to take those walls down. He's going to tell me how to finish these people off. He's going to tell me how to conquer the land. He's going to tell me and give me a plan and give me some strategy on how to lead God's people into victory. And I'll be that leader. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest and as he was thinking those thoughts he says what would you have me do and he says to him take your sandals off the the ground that you're standing on is holy so much for battle plan the ground that you're standing on is holy take your sandals off I mean how do you fight without shoes this guy is getting lesser and lesser competent for a fight you see what I'm saying lesser and lesser prepared for battle he's undoing everything about him that is ready for battle took all his men away took his sword away took his shoes away and he says this ground that you're standing on is holy why is it holy ground why is ground ever holy because God is there take your shoes off because God has showed up stand down Joshua this is not your fight I'm here for battle because when you put in place the things that mark you as God's people, God puts in place the things that mark him as God. When you are obedient to what God has called you to do, Jesus shows up to fight your battle and all you're left with is holy ground and worship. What do I need to do if I've been in the wilderness? What do I need to do if I've been away for a while? Number one is worship. Number one is worship. Worship is the circumcision of the heart. Listen very carefully as I close. Worship is the circumcision of the heart. Circumcision means to cut around. Gilgal means circle. The stones of remembrance were in a circle. The stones of remembrance were to tell you what God has done. And that circle is that part of your life, the center of part of your life of what God is doing, God is pleased with, God is leading, God is guiding, who God is in your life. And everything else that is not of God, not pleasing to God, not with God, not for God, needs to be cut apart. Are you with me? It needs to be cut away. You cut around that circle. It's circumcision. And as you set that circle apart, you set only what, that which is in the circle as holy ground. God circumcise my heart because there's a relationship in my life that you're not pleased with. There's a priority in my life that you're not pleased with. There's a lifestyle in my life that you're not pleased with. See don't get into this whole spirituality business. It's a waste of time. Don't get into this whole thing about you know being on all fire for God and all of that. Don't be on fire. It'll remind you of hell. (laughs) be obedient. Be obedient because the only one with the flaming sword is Jesus okay, be obedient, this whole, all of these terminologies and phrases and things that we like to use, it's cute, it's cute, I'll I'll take that, it is cute, it's great, oh this guy's really committed, he's really on fire for God, Mm, I don't know, I don't know, because I know really quiet people in the middle of nowhere who are following God wholeheartedly, they have circumcised themselves, everything else that is not of God, is not the work of God, is not the relationships that God gives, is not the priorities that God gives, has been cut away, and their hearts are totally dedicated to God. Solomon followed God with a half a heart. David followed God with a whole heart, yet he sinned in his life, and yet he says, "He's a man after my own heart. God wants from you not to be on fire and be the more worshipy worship-type guy. God wants from you a heart that is completely and totally. Number one, worship, that's circumcision. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It's a matter of the will. That's where you make decisions. In the heart, you make a decision. It's not about your weaknesses. It's not about your personality. It's not about your circumstances. Either you want it or you don't want it. An entire generation was killed off, was perished off in the wilderness. Why? Because they were disobedient. They didn't want it. It's as simple as that. They did not want it. They were disobedient. Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 says, in him, that's Jesus, also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made without hands, but putting off the body, OFF, putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So what Jesus did is he cut away the flesh from your spirit. He cut away the carnality from your life. So that your life is driven by calling, your life is driven by spiritual matters, your life is driven by the agendas of God. And what marks you as a believer is that you are not organized, led by, influenced by the flesh, but by, or the things of the flesh, or the desires of the flesh, indulgences of the flesh, or the leading of the flesh, but by the work and the will of God. What is circumcision of the heart? When you are marked out as a believer, as someone who will and will only do what God wants. Number two, the Passover. The Passover. They put the Passover in place. If you've been in the wilderness, you put the Passover in place. Observing the Lord's table is the Passover. It is a ritual of significance to our personal faith. When you avoid the Lord's table, you forget what God has done. When you avoid the Lord's table, it's not long when you find yourself at another table. Paul says you cannot serve the table of demons and the table of the Lord. You can't do that. And Satan wants you to avoid the Lord's table. He will do anything he can and feed you some rubbish about your job, about your health, about... He will say any stupid lies on Saturday night and Sunday morning and keep you from the Lord's table. Why? Because when you're away from the Lord's table, it makes you more suitable and qualified for his table. When you're away from the Lord's table, you don't declare the Lord's death until he comes. And when you declare the Lord's death until he comes the time of his coming declares his death his judgment, his condemnation and he does not want to be reminded about his future. Am I yelling enough? Do you get that? You get the, the significance of the Passover. You see the significance of the Lord's table. We call it the Lord's table and we call it the Lord's day. You come to the table to declare victory. You come to the Lord's table to say, we do this in remembrance of you until you come. Why? What's hap- going to happen when you come? We're going to go to heaven. Yeah, we already knew that. What's going to happen when he comes? He's going to be destroyed. Because the flesh and the world are under his control and he's going to be destroyed. The flesh is going to be destroyed. The world is going to be destroyed. All the influences outside of God will be destroyed. And he does not want to hear about his future. He only reminds you about your past. And thinking about your past, you avoid the Lord's table. And he laughs his head off because he knows you get weaker and weaker and weaker. When I was growing up, the church I grew up in, we didn't call it going to church. We didn't call it going to worship. That's the last 15 years 20 years we go to worship we go to worship service we called it the Lord's Day and we call it the Lord's table and when you were absent you were absent from the Lord's table it's as horrible as one child missing from the family at dinner time. why should you come to church regularly why should it be a conviction why should it be something that you will not compromise on because every time you miss the Lord's table you qualify yourself for the other table Every time you miss the Lord's table, you allow Satan a foothold in your life. So as soon as they got in there, they began the Passover. Why were they qualified to have the Passover? Because they were circumcised. So if your hearts are right, you'll want to be at the Lord's table. If your hearts are not right with God and doesn't want everything and only what God has, you will not want to be at the Lord's table. Am I right or am I right? The third thing is they grew the fruit of the land and they gave tithe to God. They give tithe to God. Why? Because when you give tithe to God, when you make that a conviction, when you make that a practice, it sets you apart. Because who else tithes? Who else just takes one-tenth of all their earnings and gives it away to church? We don't know how these people spend their money. Nowadays, there's so much money. We don't know how. You give to God. You give to God, you let God handle everybody else. You give to God. And tithe is one-tenth. Tithe is the first-tenth. It's the first thing. And why do you do this? Because you're saying, Lord, as a conviction and as a pattern, I am yours. That means your work comes first. And when you do that, you're setting as a conviction, putting God first. And number four, Joshua got to be with Jesus. God, Joshua got to be. The people of Israel didn't get to be with Jesus. Joshua got to be with Jesus And he fell on his face and he worshipped and the ground he stood on was holy. When's the last time you've been alone with Jesus and you had to take your shoes off because he showed up. Because he showed up. And that's what quiet time is. That's what your daily devotion is. Your daily devotion is not the reading of the word every day so you can feel just a little bit better. Have a promise for the day. Have something inspirational. Have something nice and touchy and fluffy for the day. Let me take some word with me. No, 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 no. Being in God's presence, say, Lord, speak to me. And what does he say to you? He doesn't say anything about the, uh, about Jordan or the Passover. He doesn't say anything about the battle plans. He doesn't even mention Jericho, which is going to happen anyway, by the way. He says, you take your shoes off, because you're with me, because I'll do the rest. And from Joshua's perspective, he's standing on holy ground, no sword, no men, no army, and he watches the walls fall down. I just had to go, I just had to go into chapter, just a little bit. I mean, it is my favorite. Let's do that again. Joshua no shoes okay in a skirt Oh, you know that thing no sword because what's the point I mean there's no combat no no contest seriously and he's standing on holy ground so he can't even move and he's ready to watch walls come down you know when your life's gonna change when you realize that worship is your biggest weapon not whining
2: say And forbear to shine, forbear to shine, but God.
1: bless the decisions that have been made today either it's a new habit or a conviction that needs to be put in place perhaps it's repentance and getting right to a place where you're right with God again or maybe they're just not ready yet Father I pray that as your spirit concludes our time in your presence that you would seal, finish close the matter with you And close it with a deal, with a promise, with an assurance. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore. Amen. God bless you.